You are listening to the Through the Bible Studio Series with Pastor Nate Holdridge. Join us as we continue our study through the Old Testament book of Proverbs. Here's Nate. Proverbs 28 verse 1 says, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Now, this proverb takes on new meaning in the New Testament era because, of course, for us, righteousness speaks more of the imputed righteousness of Christ than merely and only living a righteous kind of life, which is what it would have meant in the Old Testament era. So for us, the idea of our boldness or our confidence or our freedom, if you will, a lion-like boldness, the idea is that it comes from the imputed righteousness of Christ. We are made bold by the blood of Jesus. We are made bold by the Spirit of God, and we are made bold for the mission that Christ has given to us. He deposited his righteousness into our account, and we become, in response to that righteousness, bold as a lion. But still, the truth of the proverb originally holds true. The idea being that when we live unrighteously, our boldness dissipates and we become weak, fleeing when no one pursues. Verse 2 says, When a land transgresses, it has many rulers. But with a man of understanding and knowledge, its stability will long continue. Now, the many rulers of this proverb indicate the instability which accompanies reckless and sinful leadership in a nation. So with their recklessness or with their sinfulness, there is a constant upheaval within the nation. And obviously, as we look around uh, our world, we understand that there are exceptions to that rule where you might have some domineering uh, tyrant who for decades oversees a nation. But remember the context of this proverb. Remember the nation of Israel. They would see this firsthand. Kings like Uzziah, who were faithful to God, would sit on the throne decade after decade after decade, whereas those who were ungodly and sinful would often die an early death and be transplanted by a new leader or even in the northern kingdom, a new regime. Now, in verse 3, it says, A poor man who oppresses the poor is beating rain that leaves no food. The idea here is that there is a terrible contradiction. A poor person who oppresses poor people. Fortunately, as I just mentioned with dictators and tyrannical leaders, the idea is that this takes place throughout the whole world. And where poor people will oppress other poor people. Dictators who are impoverished themselves, suppressing their people in order to escape their own poverty. Uh, This is a great sadness and blight upon the earth. Verse 4, those who forsake the law praise the wicked, but those who keep the law strive against them. Now, the law or the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, usually speaks of you know this this speaks of God's word the law and 
in our era, we have more than just the Torah or just the books of Moses. We have the whole scripture. So the idea here is that a keeper of all of scripture, a keeper of the word, those who love the word will rebuke the wicked. Those who keep the law will strive against evil. And it is true that the more that the Bible interacts with your heart, the more that you want, will want to take a stand against that which is unjust and unrighteous in this world. Verse 5, evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand it completely. Now, justice in this proverb can merely be a self-serving legal proceeding. But godly people understand it more completely. They, they understand that what, what is really happening in that moment. They understand that justice is bigger than just a legal proceeding, but that God is involved. And so there's an understanding that comes with and for the righteous person. John tells us in 1 John chapter 2 that when you become a Christian, there is an anointing that comes upon your life. He says it this way, the anointing, 1 John 2:27, that you received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. So the idea here is... Uh, from John is that the Spirit of God is that anointing that teaches us, gives us that, as it says here in Proverbs uh, 28, verse 5, complete understanding. Verse 6, better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who is crooked in his ways. Again, this is very similar to chapter 19 verse 1 we have the same concept here integrity is more valuable than riches Uh, integrity is more valuable than riches I remember being in Israel on a tour at one point and going to Caesarea and being in the place the ruins where Paul appeared before Felix and uh, his wife Drusilla and Festus and just kind of being in that environment it was so interesting to me because I remember that in the book of Acts Paul was there as a prisoner before these people who came in with great pomp but but the beautiful thing is that Paul was the man of integrity while others were crooked in their ways. It is better to have integrity than wealth. Verse 7, The one who keeps the law is a son with understanding, but a companion of gluttons shames his father. The question here is, who are your companions? Is the law, is the Bible your friend? And I think there's a sense in which we can make friends with Scripture. Even the characters of scripture, scripture, men like Daniel and David and Paul or women like Ruth and Esther and Mary can become great friends to us in the era that we are living in. One who keeps the law, he said, is a son of understanding, but there is a person who has companions who are gluttons. They have appetites. They are always trying to consume. 
Peter said in 1 Peter 4, verse 3 and 4, For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. So enough of our past life was spent living in that way. Verse 8, Whoever multiplies his wealth by interest and profit gathers it for him who is generous to the poor. Now, the Old Testament law forbade Israel from making a commission or charging interest on other Israelites. They were to have a compassion upon their brothers. And here we see that commission of the Old Testament law put in proverbial form. Whoever multiplies his wealth by interest and profit gathers it for him who is generous to the poor. In other words, God is going to see that dishonesty. Now, this might be a verse that encourages us towards Christian charity, to be to being generous, to letting go of our, of our possessions, to uh, loving not just organizations and churches, but also each other through financial generosity. Verse 9, if one turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. Now, this man who is turned away from the law, his prayer would be an abomination for a few possible reasons. Uh, number one, if he's turned his ear away from the law, then he is walking in darkness. But God is in the light, and so God does not have fellowship with that which is in the darkness. Number two, he does not listen to God, so God is not able to listen to him. Number three, he cannot possibly ask a right, but he always asks amiss, as James said in James chapter 4. You know, the concept here being, how can you know what to ask for if you're out of the word of God, if you're out of scripture? But the more that you hear the law of the Lord, the more your heart is tuned in to the desires of God, and you'll begin to ask correctly. And number four, he might not be heard by God because he might not be a believer. In other words, he ignores God's word, which is a possible evidence of the lack of regeneration. And you must be covered by the blood of Christ to be heard by God. So there are many reasons that this man who has turned his ear away from hearing the law uh, might have his prayer as an abomination. And we're left to determine uh, the case uh, as it might stand in our modern time. In verse 10, whoever misleads the upright into an evil way will fall into his own pit, but the blameless will have a goodly inheritance. Uh, this speaks of, as many of the Proverbs do, the backfiring element of sin. You mislead people into the evil way, you'll fall into your own pit. It's comical in nature. A rich man, verse 11, is wise in his own eyes, but a poor man who has understanding will find him out. Now, not all, but some wealthy think themselves wise because they are rich. Sometimes they're merely privileged. Sometimes they were merely fortunate or lucky. And sometimes they are wise. But oftentimes, those who are wealthy think themselves wise as evidenced by their will, wealth. But 
here the proverb tells us a poor man with understanding knows the truth. You can be a pauper who has the wisdom of God's word and be wiser than the wealthiest man on earth. Paul said in 1 Timothy 6 verse 17 to Timothy, the pastor in Ephesus, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. The idea there is that it is a temptation of those who are wealthy to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but they should, with humility, uh, not be proud, not be boastful, not be haughty. In a sense, this proverb teaches us that God's understanding is equal opportunity. In other words, to know God's word, it is available to all. Verse 12, when the righteous triumph, there is great glory. But when the wicked rise, people hide themselves. Now the various societies God has ordained rise and fall with righteousness or wickedness, if you really think about it. You know, he says here, when the righteous triumph, there's great glory. When the wicked rise, people hide themselves. And God has established different institutions here on earth. He's established nations. He's established the church in our modern era. And he's established family or marriage. And as you think about those, all three are greatly impacted by the spiritual vitality and health of the leader. The nations, the church, and the family are all impacted by the righteousness or lack thereof in those who are in the prime positions of leadership. Verse 13, Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Here is, in the Old Testament, the hope of grace and redemption, because the concept is that we should not conceal our sins, but that we should make them known, that we can confess them, and that we can forsake them. This reminds us of 1 John 1, verse 8 and 9, which says, if we have if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so the possibility of grace, repentance, transformation, and change in the Old Testament era. Verse 14. Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. Now, some translations like the ESV and the NIV add the Lord, supposing this verse must be reaffirming a healthy reverence for God. But in the Hebrew, in verse 14, God's name is absent. It's possible that this verse is actually teaching us to be terrified of the consequences of sin. To say, if I walk with a fear, a healthy sense where I am scared of what could happen if I sin, once I lose that fear, then I may fall into calamity. The attitude of fear of the results of sin leads to a blessed or happy life. Because when you're not comfortable around sin, due to being terrified of the results, your life is better for it. You are happy. Speaking of lions, like we saw in our first verse, 
In verse 15 it says, Like a roaring lion or a charging bear is a wicked ruler over a poor people. Here you have the idea of a lion searching for victims, you know, intimidating uh, like a powerful bear and not to be messed with. You wouldn't want to tussle with a charging bear or a roaring lion. That's how wicked rulers are over poor people. That's how ruthless world leaders are. And, of course, they do abound. And one day, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who went the lowest that any human could ever go, will be the king over all. And at that time, the humble servant will be a serving lion and a protective bear. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Verse 16, A ruler who lacks understanding is a cruel oppressor, but he who hates unjust gain will prolong his days. Now, here you have a ruler who has a lack of knowledge, and his lack of knowledge and wisdom leads him to oppress other people. But to have understanding means that you will hate unjust gain. So one lasts longer than the other because tyrants are obviously often eventually rebelled against or assassinated and overthrown by the masses they suppressed. And so the idea is that through righteousness a leader could prolong his days. And I think this goes for not only national leadership but also when you just think about local and governmental or business world or church world levels of leadership. When a person loves righteousness, they'll last. Verse 17, if one is burdened with the blood of another, he will be a fugitive until death. Let no one help him. This speaks of the ill effects that come upon a murderer. You see, from the very beginning of the Bible, when someone takes the blood of another human being, What is happening is they are taking a position that exclusively belongs to God. It only belongs to God. And so when someone commits a murder, they become burdened with the blood of another. And the only option really is to internalize that, to reject that, to try to push that under, and it ends up having ill effects upon you, whether it's through the searing of conscience or just a madness that comes upon your mind, there are ill effects. It's a burden, is what verse 17 says. Uh, They will be a fugitive until death, but fortunately and beautifully, in Christ, there is the possibility of redemption, and that is the other option, is to turn to God for forgiveness. In fact, much of the New Testament that we love and celebrate was written by a man who considered himself in his former life to be a murderer of individuals inside the body of Christ, inside the church. But Paul, the apostle, eventually gave his life to Christ, and God used him and redeemed his life powerfully. Verse 18, Whoever walks in integrity will be delivered, but he who is crooked in his ways will suddenly fall. Now, there is a security that is integrity-based. You know, if you're living with integrity, uh, that just provides a safety in your life. You don't have to walk around with paranoia. But someone who is crooked, a crooked life, leads to abrupt failure. You do not know when the failure will come, but it often will come, and it will come quickly. 
Now, as it is true in life, it is truest in the consummation of all things. The day is coming, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, when the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, and those who are crooked will suddenly fall. Verse 19, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. This speaks of faithful diligence in a person's life, just, you know, committing themselves to the things of God, committing themselves to hard work. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread. Verse 20, a faithful man will abound with blessings, but whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. Now here you see a person who is faithful, who is blessed, versus a person who hastens to be rich, and they will not be blessed, they will not go unpunished. Uh, the idea here is recapped for us in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 2 through 5. Moreover, it is required, it says there, of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness, and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. You see, the Lord knows who is faithful. And the Lord knows who is hastening to be rich. And God will eternally watch over both. Verse 21. To show partiality is not good, but for a piece of bread a man will do wrong. Now, Jesus and his apostles, they railed on partiality. In fact, Jesus' whole earthly ministry was in a sense a rebuke against partiality. But so quickly for next to nothing here a piece of bread we often commit this wrong you see the truth is that we will often show favoritism to people who might benefit us and the question that might be asked is what pieces of bread might you be willing to show partiality for what acceptance or status or popularity or fame what prosperity what experiences could be given to you from other people that you might be willing to compromise yourself in order to gain those things. Verse 22, a stingy man hastens after wealth and does not know that poverty will come upon him. Now Jesus often dealt with this kind of concept. He dealt with it in Luke chapter 12 in an interesting way where he told a very selfish or greedy covetous man a story about a rich man who had land that produced plentifully and that man thought to himself what shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops and the man said Luke chapter 12 verse 18 I will do this I will tear down my barns and build larger ones and there I will store all my grain and my goods and I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Jesus then said, So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. 
You see, the truth of the matter is that though we might save, though we might store up for the future in a responsible kind of way, when we do it with stinginess and without the Lord, suddenly that poverty, as it says in verse 22 of our proverb, will come upon us. Verse 23, whoever rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. Here we learn that straightforward rebukes pay off in the long run. Galatians 2 verse 14 uh, reminds us of this in a powerful way when Peter had come to be with Paul in his ministry and had, when the time of eating came, separated himself with other Jews to eat only with Jews. But when Paul saw that, he said that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, Galatians 2, verse 14. And he said to Peter before everyone, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? And that was a very powerful moment, because Paul rebuked Peter and afterward found more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. You know, had he just simply said, well, that's fine, you can do that if you'd like, then who knows what kind of error would have crept into the church. Praise God that Paul spoke up. Verse 24, whoever robs his father or mother and says, that is no transgression, is a companion to a man who destroys. Now, many, of course, do justify robbing their parents, and this was common even in the day of Christ. And Jesus rebuked that kind of attitude or practice by appealing to the Ten Commandments that we should honor our father and our mother. But oftentimes, people uh, take advantage of that previous generation. Verse 25, A greedy man stirs up strife, but the one who trusts in the Lord will be Enriched. Here you have the greedy man against or pitted against the trusting man, the one who trusts in the Lord. That's fascinating because apparently trust is an antidote to greed. You see, when that feeling of insecurity comes upon you where you feel that you need more, that you must have more, that you need more in order to be safe and secure, you can combat that feeling by trusting in the Lord. Jeremiah 17 verse 7 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. Verse 26, speaking of trust, says, Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. The idea here is that there's your own mind versus wisdom. And the best way to walk in wisdom, of course, is, is by learning and knowing and uh, digesting the Word of God. I find the little line that Paul spoke to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, verse 15, where he said to Timothy, I know that how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 27 says, Whoever gives to the poor will not want... But he who hides his eyes will get many a curse. Now, this is per similar to Proverbs 19, verse 17, which says, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. Uh, the idea here is that 
uh, the Lord sees our secret generosity and he will provide for us in uh, more visible and public ways. Now, this is a concept that is not just Israelite Old Testament in nature, but is reiterated in the New Testament. Jesus spoke of it in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, verse 3 and 4 particularly, that your secret giving will be seen by your Father, and he who sees in secret will reward you. And then again, in a more extensive passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and nine. As we give, the Lord sees that generosity and will then give back to us, for God will not be outgiven. Then our last proverb today, verse 28. When the wicked rise, people hide themselves, but when they perish, the righteous increase. It's not safe for righteous people to publicly operate when the wicked rise, is the idea. Naturally, in times when the wicked rise, the righteous hide under such circumstances. You see, the truth is, is that sometimes the church rises up in an era of persecution, but oftentimes it gets quiet and it becomes secret. But by the Spirit of God, we will refuse to hide even when the wicked do rise. Remember the words of Jesus to his disciples in Acts chapter 1. He said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so, when the wicked rise in our time, we will still increase because the Holy Spirit is with us. God bless you, and amen. Thank you for listening. For additional resources and teachings, or to contact us, please visit us at nateholdridge.com.